Welcome to the Burnout Recovery Podcast, a guiding resource dedicated to healthcare professionals on their journey to overcoming burnout. Spearheaded by Dr. Joe Braid, a certified professional coach and rehabilitation physician. This podcast offers practical strategies through expert interviews and personal resilience stories, providing invaluable tools for navigating professional challenges while prioritizing well-being. Regardless of your role in healthcare, this podcast acknowledges the toll of your work on your overall health and is committed to supporting your recovery from burnout and fostering a fulfilling, sustainable career. So, if you're ready to begin a transformative journey, join us for each new episode. Together, we'll navigate challenges, celebrate successes, and build a supportive community of healthcare professionals. Hello and welcome back to the Burnout Recovery Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to have on the podcast Dr. Hannah Royster as my guest today. Hannah is calling in from far north Queensland and Hannah is a doctor and she is also an author and she had her debut book published and released early this year in 2023 with the title In Turn, T-U-R-N. Hannah, welcome to the show. Great to have you here today. Thank you so much, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. So, Hannah, would you like to give us um, whatever length version that you'd like to of, um, you know, the pertinent parts to your life so far and how you came to ending, to writing, sorry, a fictionalized memoir of your Australian hospital internship, please? Mm, absolutely. So, I um, grew up in far north Queensland from what would be considered to be a very alternative family and um, when I was in my mid-teen years my father became quite severely unwell with mental illness and I learned to process that and cope by disappearing into academics and I'd previously been unwell as a child with brain cancer myself and so hadn't been academically high achieving until this phase of my life where I found that all I was doing was studying and so I escalated up an academic ladder quite quickly and then I found myself in this top tier and you know as a teenager when you're 17 and you're in that top tier people tell you oh well you should be a lawyer or an engineer or a doctor and those are the options that are presented to you and well at the time being 16 17 I had a crush on the boy next door and his sister said wow that boy would be really impressed with you if you did medicine so I chose medicine because I had a crush on a boy <laughs> and thus I took on that path and I went and I studied in medical school and, you know, when you're a medical student and you're um, pushing through textbooks and you're ticking exam boxes, you don't really know the reality of what you're getting into. And so it wasn't until my final year of medical school when exams weren't such a fixation and I had that opportunity to kind of look up and take in the scene of where I was about to set off my life and I realised that maybe this wasn't the flavour of the version of a person I wanted to become. And I looked at the other interns and the residents and the registrars and, you know, none of them seemed to be happy and none of them seemed to have this fulfilment in their job. And um, there was this joke that would go around about it getting better and often I would pass that over to my um, supervisor, whether it be a resident or a reg, and they kind of smile and, bear a grin but there was always that undertone of when and will it and and then 
you know, talking to consultants, they all had their own version of why their job was hard and difficult. And um, so then I came to the end of my medical degree and I thought, oh, is this really for me? And so having, you know, invested six, seven years of my life to get to that point, I didn't really want to throw it away without giving it a good try. So I took on my internship and I thought I'd see how we went. And I had, you know, a wide range of experiences, some of them very touching and positive and then others quite challenging and, you know, shared by many junior doctors faced with big responsibility in a, a scary hospital mm -hmm. world as, what, a 24, 25-year-old with, you know, not much life experience outside of being submerged in textbooks for all of your early 20s. And so then um, it wasn't until later in my internship that I started to realise that the experiences I were having were more, more unbelievable than reality and I just was so kind of dumbfounded by day after day the scenarios that I was being thrown into and I guess as a way of helping me process those, I decided I'd start writing them down. And so I had a journal and I would write them down each evening. And then um, after my internship, I did some RMO time and then I took on a role as a psych registrar and moved hospitals and towns. And then during that time, one of the interns suicided at that hospital and that was shortly after um, another intern had suicided and a medical student had passed away. Mm. And I was very confronted by all these experiences and I was shocked that this would happen in a, in a hospital in the town that I lived in, having always believed that, you know, doctors only suicide in big cities that are far away and, mm. and that these experiences would never kind of be lived by me. And then because of my, psych reg role I felt some degree of responsibility I guess but I didn't really know how to help you know there's docs for socks for docs day and you know sit-ups for mental health and all these other various strategies and I couldn't quite commit to any and then the more I started to share my experiences as an intern and as a junior the more I found other people also had the same experience and before I'd felt like the black sheep in medicine having like not fallen in love with the career I'd worked so hard and not completely entirely wanted to be only a doctor and only do medicine mm -hmm. and once I started to share that and have it affirmed back to me that other people were like oh my goodness me too then I decided I would write down my experiences, I, I fictionalized them to protect myself and the people within the stories. And I decided that I would write it out. And I um, left psych at that point and I started in GP training. And then I was having my own career confusion at that point and burnout and wondering whether this was all for me. Mm. And so it took off a year to write the novel and publish it because I felt very, um, very much like I needed to share those experiences and that I wanted to do something. Mm. And 
yeah, and so then that all ended and came to a wrap up in 2022. Mm. And I decided I would get back on my GP training path after having this lovely break and having written my novel and lived my dream of being a full-time author and not a doctor yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and had that experience and, um, you know, decided that financial security is actually quite a nice thing. And so I would go back to being a doctor and yeah, that's why I have actually really loved it and been really surprised by the GP world and how different it is from hospital culture and have been really kind of grateful to my past self for sticking it out thus far. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the book has been out for six months now and I've had, um, you know, lots of feedback and some of it's been not the feedback I wanted and some of it's been really heartwarming and loving and, and just beautiful to hear. And yeah, so that's a wrap of me. Yeah. So sort of straight out of school, straight into med school, going through all of those hoops and um, directions and stay on this path and do this and this is coming next and look out for this and, yeah, that sort of um, factory line that it can feel like a bit sometimes if um, your mm-hmm. way is laid out for you there. And then looking into maybe going into a hospital specialist role and then changing tack and taking a full year off, yeah. And and it sounds like you had this um, this tool, this calling, this um, invitation that you noticed within yourself to choose to write and journal and and reflect. Maybe just spending a bit of time um, either processing or noting, or as you said earlier, maybe being the observer of what you were experiencing through the day. Do you want to share, is that something that you've used like pre-med school or have you always enjoyed journaling in books? Are you a diary kind of woman or or did this start earlier in life for you? It is actually something I discovered for myself in those early teen years when dad was very unwell with psychosis and, you know, that's a significant time ago now, more than 10 years, and so mental illness was still somewhat stigmatized and we didn't really know what was going on for him and um you know being the the child in the scenario you're often kind of left out of the explanation mm-hmm. and you know you observe but things are covered up to a degree to quote protect you so I came to the hobby of writing on a on a family road trip through New Zealand we rented a family mover and my sisters were much younger than me at that time and I was the only one who'd been through puberty and I was somewhat excluded in like the in-between between my parents and siblings. Mm-hmm. And on this road trip, I just picked up a scrapbook and a pen from the bottom of mum's handbag and I started to scribble nonsense, just little stories about funny names and funny people. And then um, I came to the habit of writing my dreams out and then and then I just started to write out my experiences about dad and I fictionalized them. Mm. And then I was also going through my own coming of age experiences in those mid teens mm. and writing about those feelings in the context of these little people and these stories that I'd created on this holiday. And it just kept growing and growing. And then it became my first novel, which I mean, I'd love to publish one day, but it's still sitting in the bottom of my drawer. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think I'd found the love of writing 
in that time. And it had helped me a great deal to process dad's illness. And, um, you know, in this novel, he is the bad guys. And, you know, I've processed how, you know, my dad had changed in the context of his psychosis. And, um, and yeah, doing it in the private sea of, yeah, a journal and a notebook and being able to write it down and being able to kind of feel like I had talked it out to, to the, the characters, I guess, or to, you know, to an invisible person because it was so kind of stigmatized, I guess. And that journaling process gave me that privacy to process without needing to feel like what would become of me, who's going to judge yeah. me for having these thoughts. Mm -hmm. And then later in internship, when I was having all of these big experiences day after day on a surgical rotation and started to journal them down, you know, found a great deal of relief in that again. And then also picked up the joy of being able to write, which I'd previously held on to as a teenager mm -hmm. and had lost somewhere along the way in the middle of med school and all the academics. Yes. And so, yeah. So then use that as a tool, not really intending to write a novel, but more for just my own sake. And then, you know, during RMO time, maybe lost it a little bit. And then during my psyche, mm -hmm. my, um, my consultant suggested it, okay. having not known that I'd written in yeah. the past. And so then had picked it up more seriously again then. So doing a thought dump, which is uh, doesn't sound nearly as elegant or elo eloquent as um, starting to write a, a novel, is something that I do recommend to my clients um, in their burnout recovery journeys. And um, all of my one-on-one -on -one clients get a really pretty long-term um, notebook and a nice fluid pen with the encouragement that should they wish to trial um, journaling as a as a burnout recovery strategy, here are the tools to get you started. And so it's something that um, I can relate to as well, having used um, journaling since about 2020 when I first really re-entered um, having coaching myself. Um, yeah, and I, I I just love this idea that it's been part of you. You've you've sort of come and gone with it and it's been actually maybe a real tool that you've used um, not only to support yourself through burnout and then also having something to offer the world um, afterwards. So can we laser into the time when you um, decided to take a break from your medical career and you, you did a lot of um, writing then? Do you want to describe to to me and my audience um, a little bit more about what were you really noticing in yourself? Um, what were you experiencing? And you know what what sort of um, drive and direction did you have for yourself? Um, my question is coming around this way because sometimes I have clients or some people take the intention of having a break and then returning to the workforce. The break in itself will be enough. And I do question that. So I'd love to know sort of what were you experiencing at that point that was like, hey, there's got to be a clear pause here. And then 
And then did you feel like you were very directive through that year that you took off or that time that you took off? So two questions probably there for you. So in the lead up to taking that time off, I jumped already from psych training to then GP training. Mm -hmm. And so I had moved back to my original home hospital where I'd done internship Mm -hmm. to tick a few more RMO boxes Mm -hmm. to get onto the pathway before I could go into the community and I kind of knew already at that point that like GP was kind of the last straw for me because I definitely ruled out in my mind that I wasn't interested in any of these other specialties and I kind of dipped my toes in pediatrics and then I tried psychiatry out and I knew I didn't want to do physician training and um, so I'd kind of butted myself up against a brick wall, I guess, in my mind and put quite a bit of pressure on myself. And I think at that point I was quite burnt out and was very anxious and um, had a lot of things to process from stepping up as a psych reg and taking on a lot of responsibility as just a PGY2. Mm. And, um, yeah, so I really kind of pushed myself through those last RMO terms to tick those boxes and I kind of laid out my life in the lead up to doing that and said, you know, do I ditch it all now? How would I feel about that? What if I did this and then pushed through, you know, two years of GP training and then took time off? Could I make it? Well, not at this rate. And so then what was the happy medium, Um, which was taking that gap? And I sort of, I sort of pushed myself to the point where I didn't really have an option because of how bad the anxiety got and Mm. because of how difficult it was to just do the day-to-day stuff practicing as a doctor and then how unsafe I felt because of how burnt out my brain was Mm. to kind of be making decisions for other people Mm. and um yeah just that general sense of inadequacy about not being able to biologically function because of, you know, the insomnia or the panic attacks or whatever I was going through at the time. And um, so, yeah, I just knew that I didn't, I couldn't keep going. Like what was, well, the line was drawn in the sand. Um, And so, you know, at the changeover of the year, didn't, sign on a new hospital contract and told GP training that I was going to take the year off and, you know, did the, the GP letters or whatever, you know, extend your waiting circumstances mm-hmm. I needed to get that time away. And I knew that kind of the pull on my heartstring away from medicine was always being an author and how medicine took away from that. And I wanted deep down to publish and to, um, yeah, to, to be a full-time writer, but knew that financially that wasn't really viable. Mm. And I always thought that my focus would be on that first novel, the one I wrote about dad, mm. um, but then had started to pick up more about writing about my hospital time. And with that conviction of the other intern suiciding, felt that there was more need for a novel in that and so therefore just felt more motivated to write about my experiences and I 
couldn't in the beginning write about them in mind to publish them. I just had to write about them as they were and how I felt them telling myself that I wouldn't share them because that's the only way I could be honest because I was very fearful about how I would be judged for sharing my experiences and, you know, what people would say and how it's going to forget affect my career path if I did go back to medicine. And so I struggled with that quite a bit. And, um, and once I'd gotten on to just writing it for the, for me, writing it for processing, writing it out to, to be honest and to tell the truth Mm. and then tell the truth to myself in that process and acknowledge the struggles and acknowledge the confronting experiences. Mm. And because, you know, writing is so private when you paint a picture, someone looks over your shoulder and they comment on the color, but you know, when you write something down, no one reads that unless you physically give them the document or send them the link. And therefore I, um, yeah, had a lot of, um, reassurance in that. And I picked up a job as a, um, contrast supervisor just to kind of support the piggy bank last year. And so I had a lot of time, you know, you were, you're forced to sit there and be there just in case someone has anaphylaxis. And so, you know, I had a lot of time where I would just sit there and I would just write while I was waiting for someone to maybe, who knows, have anaphylaxis, which they never did. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then I did quite a bit of traveling that year as well, just in between. And I took my work with me and because of the way internship and hospital medicine is structured that gave me a very nice structure to put all of my experiences into mm-hmm. and um so not all of them are according to exactly the specialty where they happened mm-hmm. just to help protect the fictionalizing and me and the people involved and um so yeah it wasn't towards the end of having written it that I started to share it with some people and some of those people medical and have feedback and have people say, wow, I had no idea. And wow, I don't think anyone really gets it. And, um, and yeah. And that encouraging me to share it. And then I got to towards the end of the year and I realized that even if I help just one junior doctor feel validated Mm or, you know, protect them, by sharing my experiences that that would be good enough. And so then I decided to publish and I um, knew that my time off was coming to an end. And so I decided I would self-publish rather than waiting around for a publisher to accept my novel. And so that was a big rush at the end of the year to kind of get it all ready. And yeah, it was a big learning experience, but um, I'm very glad I've done it. Yeah. And when you said you did the writing, was that pen and paper or journal and pen? So originally it was pen and paper. I have the notebooks from my actual internship in IMO Mm -hmm. time and um, registrar years where I've physically journaled in the evening. And then I translated that to a Word document and then I also wrote down other experiences that, you know, I'd kind of held in my mind. One part that I really heard you say was um, almost the safety of being truthful with yourself. And once you allowed yourself that space to be 
truthful to write the words and I, I guess see that reflect on that um, maybe that was where some of the the deeper processing or the sort of um, benefits or effects for you of, of doing the journaling were mm, definitely because you know when you're a junior doctor and there's board rounds to be had and there's jobs to be done and you know you work constantly and persistently very hard all day long and you know there's one micro trauma after another like someone snaps at you the nurse is mean the consultant doesn't acknowledge you no one smiles no one knows your name yes. you know the patient crashes you have to manage yes. it you know the nurses are snappy <laughs> they ditch your referral and somehow it's your fault and you know day after day there's all these micro harms that just build up and there's never space to kind of process them there's only time to go home eat and sleep just to like build your biological tank up enough to get back on the horse and you know you do rotation after rotation and they slog you through it and then you where do you process where is there time for you to Sure. And maybe that sort of facade that we also might be familiar when we're uh, practicing, when we're when we're doctoring, we people can often relate to a facade and no nothing to see here, nothing going on here. I don't need help. I'm not looking vulnerable or weak in front of colleagues, peers. In a way, that sort of competitive level that it can be when you're working through the years and um, trying to, you know keep your place and keep up and um, and go through the hoops that are very much there for us. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fascinating. I'm, I'd love to um, now go into talking a little bit about um, your identities that you have because I have many people on this podcast with portfolio careers and sort of that idea that we have our doctoring, medical, identity that we certainly have and then other people and then people have sort of other identities as well as well so i'm guessing i'm sort of saying other careers or professions that we're in as well and um do the two come together or are they always very separate to each other i mean you you now are definitely a published author and um i guess you've got that um, identity there too and when we were chatting before we started recording today you were alluding to how actually maybe there are more doctors who are authors who are published or not published or under pseudonyms or so forth um, and you're realizing um, that medical author world is maybe larger than you thought it was before Tell, tell us a bit more about what you've um, noticed along the way as you've been sharing your passion to write with others. Mm, absolutely. And I mean, I am getting there. I'm learning and hopefully one day, fingers crossed, the miraculous balance of having both worlds at the same time harmonious will come for me. But I mean, up until this point, I've just been a doctor and then I've done a year of just being an author and then I've been on six months of GP training and I was full-time and I've only just stepped down to four days a week. So maybe, hopefully, fingers crossed, I will find that beautiful balance where I can be the doctor and the author, but I also have exams to do and I also have constant study and I also have, yeah, lectures to prep for, et cetera, et cetera. And so at this stage, I've not found the beautiful harmonious balance that I hope GP life will give me of being able to be both 
at the same time. Mm. But I think having given myself that year to be just the author has now allowed me to love being a doctor and to not hate that medicine keeps me from writing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and when I started GP training in our orientation week, the GP who was the medical educator and did the introduction Mm. introduced himself as being the relative of a doctor who is a published author. And then one of the other medical educators who we were introduced to later in that week also was introduced as being a GP who's also a published author. So right from the get-go, I felt very reassured that this was all going to work out just fine. And since being in the GP land and meeting different, you know, well-established GPs, um, some of them have said, wow, that they're very jealous that I've been able to do it, which shocked me that, you know, anyone would be jealous of me and, you know, just being a a humble beginning reg with, you know, not enough knowledge and so much to learn and still finding her feet and, you know, having self-published, not real publishing, but Mm self-published, you know, essentially, you know, a fictionalized diary entry (laughs) (laughs) and um so that yeah it was very touching and then have met other gps who are closeted authors and who you know because i had published shared with me that they would like to one day write openly but you know feel i don't know a sense of judgment or that they're not good enough or whatever it may be but i've yeah met a significant more amount of doctors who write and have found a balance or who find the balance even though they're closeted than I had expected to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, great. So so what would you say to the um to the doctor who has a bit of a passion for writing and also maybe has a bit of imposter syndrome around being something other than a doctor. What would you, what would your words of support be that maybe helped you um, through that one year that you had going from bringing these journals together, putting it into a document and then seeing the days like, like the days of the year off having a real finish line and then back into clinical and, at that stage, maybe going, look, this has to be done and released to the world before I go back into um, GP training. What would you say to the the person that's probably got a great skill set there, but is got a healthy d- dose of self-doubt that's stopping them from getting started? I mean, in summary, just go for it. But yeah. I think there's more and more movement away from that old culture of medicine where all you did was medicine and your whole life was medicine. And, you know, if you had a family, your family made allowances for you to be the doctor because the doctor was the priority. Mm-hmm. And that was just accepted that medicine was number one and that's just the way it was. And since I've been through my own fear journey of stepping off the hamster wheel and stepping aside and openly admitting that I don't only love medicine and that I would like to be an author more than I want to be a doctor, mm. And um, I found people to be very receptive of that and, you know, even congratulating and affirming and 
it was not the kind of throwback in my face that I was expecting. I was expecting, mm-hmm. you know, harsh comments about my progress in my career path and how it was going to impact my training and how that was going to look. And, you know, I've had some of those comments, but not nearly as much mm-hmm. as the other version of the story where, you know, people have said essentially really good for you, which has been lovely and reassuring and um, very helpful. And I think once you step into that world of, you know, creative doctors, you find Mm -hmm. that there's actually a significant support there and people have found the balance and they're really keen to kind of encourage you and support you. And that's been my experience that I expected kind of, you know, criticism and judgment and to people to look down on me and Mm -hmm. say, oh, you know, well, Hannah, she, you know, her father had a mental illness and she's from an alternative family, so she didn't fit from the start. So it just makes sense that, you know, she wouldn't like being a doctor. Mm. And, you know, this is like the story that I invented in my mind of what it was going to be like once I kind of gave up the ghost and came out of the closet and, mm-hmm. you know, took time away from my training pathway to yeah. write, like not even earn an income to just sit at home and write on my laptop for a whole year. And, um, you know, I thought that there would be kind of a lot of criticism and judgment there. And, um, I've really not found that at all. Do you have like, um, a space that you sort of connect with people, um, like this? Do you know of writing groups or I know there can be writing retreats or, We've got the wonderful creative careers in medicine, and I've had um, Dr. Amandeep Hansra on the podcast before. Is there is there any sort of supportive network that you're aware of or you're a part of? So I am on Creative Careers in Medicine, and that's probably where I've connected most. And then through Creative Careers in Medicine podcast, I. Um, came across Tony Chu, who's the film writer and um, film producer. And so I actually just contacted him on Facebook and shared my experience. And he had developed different programs to help junior doctors. So my flavor seemed like his kind of flavor. So I thought, you know, maybe he'd be keen to touch base. And he um, wrote the endorsement that's on the back of my book. And he was very encouraging and, um, that was really lovely. And then years before I started writing this, I'd come across um, Sonia Henry's book, Down Under, which is similar to mine, a fictionalized version of her experience as a junior doctor. And um, mm-hmm. at first when I found the book, I thought, oh, shoot, someone's beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I did contact her and say, hey, like I'm doing a similar gig how do you go about it? And she shared her experiences and um, put me on to a different doctor who's also a published author. And so that's kind of as far as my little social niche went at the time of writing the novel. And, you know, all of them were very affirming and shared lots of help. And there was none of this kind of greedy holding my secrets to my chest kind of like competitiveness or like I'm better than you. It was all very encouraging and, very supportive and um yeah they were very authentic with me and there was no kind of showiness or Mm. you know I'm sure there are narcissists in the author world but I haven't met any just yet great and um 
then, you know, later after I published and um, kind of got a bit better at putting myself out there, I um, started to come across more people who are doctors, who are authors and started to introduce myself as one. Hey, I'm Hannah. I published this book, which was terrifying at first. Um, but, you know, I just bit the bullet and I just mm. spat it out and was like, I'm an author. Yes, great. Read yeah. my book. <laughs> and um, have kind of grown my little circle from there. Mm. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, great. Oh, well, um, great to hear the expansiveness around that for you. And, you know, I'm also curious as to see how that could be a strategy or a tool or an invitation to any doctor in the system at whatever level they are, that this might be something that could help you, you know, either process the, the strains or the experiences and so forth during our careers that we have. Just sort of, you might not have thought of this, give it a go, da, 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 da. Yeah, great. Well, look, I think we'll round out with my classic question that I always ask the guests on my interview. What is one part of your self-care routine that you rarely miss or rarely go without? Mine is spending some time outside, either in the garden or going for a walk. I'm very blessed to be up in the tablelands in the far north, so there's so many hikes and waterholes and green spaces and I've actually just bought my first house this year, having the blessing of being in one place for the next two years for GP training and then beyond. And um, so I've got a beautiful backyard and I'm planting trees and, you know, every day I walk home from work and I don't come straight inside where there's, you know, dishes and domestics. I put my stuff down on the front step and I do a little lap of my backyard and I just kind of come down from the day and that's kind of, been my kind of ongoing routine and mm. always was is yeah either going for a hike or you know even 10 minutes outside at the end of the day just gives you that little dose you need to to keep going fantastic yeah that's great thanks for sharing that well hannah it's been really great to connect with you um thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your wonderful story of um being an author and a doctor and, um, you know, twists and, and turns that some of us can relate to as well and um, processes and tools that have helped you as well along the way. Where can people best find you, please, so I can add this to the show notes? So I am on Instagram at h.g.royster, but you can find my novel on Amazon in turn, h.g.royster. And um, that's the only place it's available for purchase at this stage is Amazon. And, um, yeah, I also have a website. Great. Thank you. We'll put all of those details in the show notes so people can follow you up there. Um, great to connect with you. I look forward to um, hearing about what uh, next developments you might have um, as an author and onwards um, doctoring in Australia as well. Thanks so much, Hannah. Take care. See you then. Thank you so much, Joe. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Burnout Recovery Podcast. If there's someone in your world who would also benefit from this, please share it with them. Remember, you are not alone and there is hope for a brighter, more fulfilling future. Let's continue this journey together one episode at a time. 
For more resources, including how to move from dread to delight, head to drjoebraid.com.